0: Thanks for watching today. I pray that the message you're about to hear will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app. The Holy Spirit is one of our biggest reinforcements to resisting the enemy. When we're filled with the Spirit, He'll lead us in the right direction. He's always got our back. In today's message, the test, Pastor Dwayne will be showing us the benefits of having the Holy Spirit on our side. Let's jump right in.
1: Now, in Galatians chapter three, verse thirteen, it says Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it's written, "Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree." Verse fourteen, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise. Of the Spirit through faith. Uh, If you have a Bible, you you should underline blessing of Abraham and the promise of the Spirit. And then through faith. Uh, If if we go back and and look all the way back to Genesis to find what happened to Abraham in Genesis 12, God calls Abraham to the promised land, to a different life, to literally to walk with God and to walk by faith. Part of the promise is that he's going to have descendants and they're going to possess the land of Canaan. Well, years pass and somehow he's not having any children. And so he says in Genesis 15, like, God, how can I know for sure that this is going to happen? Well, God said to him, he said, take some animals and cut them in half and put them on altars. Well, when Abraham heard that, there was something that came into his mind immediately. He knew what God was gonna do. When you and I hear about some animals, we just think about barbecue, you know. But but, uh, Abraham thought covenant. God's gonna cut covenant with me. Now, when covenant takes place, and again, the only covenant that most people in Western culture ever enter into is marriage. Malachi chapter two, marriage is a covenant. Now, when a covenant takes place, uh, everything that the one person has belongs to the other. And what one is willing to do, the other must be willing to do. So, for example, when Jeannie and I got married, uh, she gave me $100 and a bicycle. And uh, I, I wasn't like rich, but I, I think I had about $20,000 cash. And, and uh, <laughs> we weren't going to talk about that, baby. And... Uh, Oh, okay, so so here's what happened. Instantly, everything that was mine was hers, and everything that was hers—hundred bucks in a bicycle—was mine. Okay, you get, you get the picture. Uh, it, nothing was really any longer mine; it was ours, because it was just as much hers as it was mine. Because we were in covenant; we're in a covenant relationship. So. He splits the animals, and I'm just going to take the time to to walk through this again. The animals are are split. There's blood everywhere. And the custom of the day was that the people making this covenant, they would walk through the pieces, and they make promises. This is important. They make promises to each other as they're walking. And literally their feet, they're, they're covered with blood. Because they're walking through all these animals that have been cut in half. And they're making promises to each other. Well, the Bible tells us that when it was time to make the covenant, Abraham fell asleep. It's Genesis 15. And a smoking furnace and a flaming torch walked through the pieces. Now, the New Testament tells us exactly who that was. Exactly what happened is found in Galatians chapter 3. And it says, And to Abraham and to his seed, singular, were the promises made. Not to many as seed, but one seed. And then it tells us his seed who is Christ. So literally, God the Father and God the Son show up. And walk through the pieces and make promises to each other. Now, exactly everything they said, we do not know, but we do know some of the things that they spoke. Now, the reason that God tested Abraham with this, because this is verse chapter 15 in chapter 22. The Bible says God tested Abraham. Now, he didn't test him with evil, but he tested him to see if he was going to keep the covenant. Now, here's what's going to happen. As they're walking through the pieces, God makes the promise. And one of the promises that God makes is that he is going to give his son to pay for our sin. So because God's going to give his son, Abraham needs to be willing to give his son. Now, God didn't just test Abraham. He tests every one of us. And there's a number of ways that God tests us. One of the ways God tests us is to simply see if we're faithful in the secret. It's one thing to live a certain way when everybody's watching. It's something else to live that way in secret. Jesus talked about going to the secret place. Then he tests us in small things. You see, in Luke chapter 16, he says, if you're faithful in little, you'll also be faithful in much. Much. But if you're unfaithful in little, you will be unfaithful in much. And then this one shocks people. But according to Jesus, one of the ways God tests us is how we handle money. Jesus said, if you haven't been faithful with unrighteous mammon with money, who will commit to your trust true riches? If we aren't faithful with money, God's not going to commit to us spiritual things. The true riches, he says, you've got to be faithful with money. And then it says another person's in the 12th verse, Jesus said, and if you haven't been faithful in what's another man's who will give you what's your own. So we've got to be faithful in working for somebody else. And when we show ourselves faithful, then God will promote us. So Abraham takes his son up on the mountain. You know, the story, Mount Moriah, he's ready to kill his son. God stops him and says, now I know, now I know you were willing. You were willing. God didn't want his son. He just wanted him to be willing to give his son because God was going to give his son for your and my sin. Well, promises were made. One of the promises in the New Testament is referred to as the promise of the father. But we'll get there in just a moment. Matthew chapter three and verse 11. John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize with water under repentance, but he who's coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandal I'm not worthy to carry. He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not something somebody invented 120 years ago. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is something the Bible talks about in the New Testament. In fact, it traces its roots all the way back to the promise that God gave to Abraham. Now, so often what we do is today, we think, you know, if I had been around in Jesus' time, I would have received Jesus' ministry. But when you look, the religious people of Jesus' day, the majority of them did not receive his ministry. Today, Jesus is still ministering. In fact, if you look in the New Testament, Jesus' present day ministry has three parts. First of all, the Bible says he ever lives to make intercession for us, part one. Hebrews three, verse one says he is the high priest of our confession, part two. And John the Baptist said, he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit You see, Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. It is part of Jesus' present-day ministry. And for us to think, I would have received Jesus' ministry if I had been in Galilee 2,000 years ago, but we won't receive his ministry today is really foolishness. Now, every believer, every believer has the Holy Spirit. When we receive Jesus instantly. The Holy Spirit comes on the inside of us and makes us new, makes us part of the family of God, puts us into the kingdom of God. Jesus with his disciples, after he arose from the dead, in John chapter 20, it says, when he was with them, he talks about forgiveness of sins. And then he he breathed on them, verse 22, and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is breathing on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. How many believe they received? I do too. They received the Holy Spirit. But later in Acts chapter one, he's been talking to them now for 40 days about things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And it says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Remember Galatians 3.14? The promise of the spirit, the promise of the father is part of the blessing of Abraham. It goes way back to Genesis chapter 15, when God and Jesus, the father and the son walked through the parts in blood and made promises to each other. He says, do not depart from Jerusalem But wait for the promise of the Father, which you've heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, Jesus had already breathed on them. They'd received the Holy Spirit. But Jesus still tells them, you need to stay in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father, the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes. And then uh, verse Well, we could just jump down to verse 8 for time's sake. And Jesus said, But you shall receive power. The Greek is dunamis. We get our word dynamite from it. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Samaria, excuse me, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is referred to in the New Testament as the promise of the Father, as the outpouring of the Spirit, being baptized, being given, having received, the Holy Spirit coming upon them. They're all terms that refer to the exact same experience. So Jesus tells them, you need to wait in Jerusalem. He said, this is not really optional. If you want to have power... If you want to move in the kingdom of God, he said, this is something that is not optional for you. This is something that you absolutely need to have. Now, I know some people are afraid of the Holy Spirit. They think he's weird. Listen to me. People are weird. The Holy Spirit is not weird. You know what's the Holy Spirit like? Jesus said he's going to be just like him. He is like Jesus. In fact, way back in the Old Testament, David wrote and said, your spirit is good. The Holy Spirit is now weird. He's good. People can be weird. And they blame God. They blame the Holy Spirit. But the truth is, the Holy Spirit is not weird. So the day of Pentecost comes. He told them they needed to wait. Found in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So what I would like to do in the next maybe 20 minutes is talk about whether the baptism in the Holy Spirit Is, we say this, simultaneous or part of salvation or whether it's a separate event? And does what happened on the day of Pentecost, that promise, is it still for us today? In fact, in Acts chapter two, the people say, what do we need to do? And Peter said, let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the remission of sin. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to as many as are afar off, as many as the Lord your God shall call. The promise of the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, is not just for first century. It's for their children and to as many as are afar off. It's been about 2,000 years. How many you know we're afar off? But that promise is for us today. Notice he said, be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is the normal pattern. Even if we look, he told them, you be baptized and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, in the New Testament, you'll find that's the pattern. If you look at Jesus, he's baptized in water. The Holy Spirit descends upon him. If you go to the Old Testament, uh, they're going through the Red Sea. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that they were baptized unto Moses in the water, in the sea, and under the cloud. Now, by the way, the cloud they passed all night was a pillar of fire. The sea represents water baptism. The cloud represents spirit baptism. So persecution arises in Jerusalem, and the disciples begin to go. And one of the deacons, by the name of Philip, goes down to the city of Samaria. And it says, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ to them. And the multitude with one accord heard the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did for unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. Verse 12. But when they believed Philip's preaching, the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. So they believed what Philip taught about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus. And they were water baptized. The Bible says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Can we all agree they're saved? All right. Verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon, King James, none or any of them. Only they'd been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they had believed they were water baptized, but the Holy Spirit had fallen upon how many? Zero. Not. Nada. Not one. But they were saved. They were water baptized. They believed. Jesus said, he who who is baptized and believes will be saved. They're saved, but yet the Holy Spirit has not yet fallen upon them. Now, listen, they're saved, so the Holy Spirit is on the inside. He's in them. When we receive Jesus, he comes and lives on the inside of us, but there is something else. There is an endowment of power to be a witness. Literally, when you become saved, the Holy Spirit comes on the inside, and it's about your personal life. It's to empower you for your life. But Jesus said, you'll receive dunamis that you can become a witness. It's not about you personally. It's about having power in your life spiritually to be a witness for Jesus. When they were come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When they laid their hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. Then in Acts 19, Verse one, it says, and it came to pass, while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. And he said to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Now, that's a good question. Not have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed, because everybody did. That's automatic. He comes and he's living on the inside of us. But this is not an inside deal. This is an endowment from power, of power. He said, it will come upon you. He says, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? If it was automatic, Paul would have never asked that question. If every Christian had received the endowment of power, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it was a question that would have made no sense. And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard that there is even a Holy Spirit. You know, I thought, when I read that, I thought, Well, they went to my church when I grew up. Because in the church that I grew up in, we didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. The only time he was ever mentioned is if we repeated the Apostles' Creed. But other than that, you didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. So Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So, again, they believe and they're baptized. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, not when they believed, not automatically, but when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Um, somebody will, will, will undoubtedly ask, well, what about that whole tongues business? Um, <laughs> I know for some people, it's a problem. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Somebody says, do I have to? No, you do not have to speak in tongues. You get to. And somebody said, well, I want the Holy Spirit, but I don't want the tongues. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. These are my shoes. I wanted cool shoes, gray shoes, white on the bottom. I did not say I want shoes with tongues. They just came. (laughs) It was just a part of the deal. Now, when you get, listen, listen. When you get the Holy Ghost, you don't need to ask for tongues. It's just part of the deal. Now, if you don't want to speak in tongues, he won't make you. He won't make you. Now, notice what the Bible says in Acts chapter two and verse four. It says, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues. The understood subject is they begin to speak with tongues. A lot of people think the Holy Ghost speaks with tongues. No, he doesn't. He enables you to, but you're the one who's gonna do the speaking. And if you don't speak, there's nothing, there's, there's, there's not gonna be any manifestation of, of tongues unless you and I begin to speak with other tongues. Listen, anytime there's anything that's supernatural, anything, there's two parts. There's a human part And there's a divine part. Let me give you an example. Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You lay hands on the sick. That's natural. God causes them to recover. That's supernatural. Jesus is walking on the water. He says to Peter, come. Peter gets out of the boat and starts to walk on the water. Two things are happening. God is getting underneath so he doesn't sink. And Peter's walking. How many of you walk every day? Almost everybody. It's natural. God did the supernatural and got underneath so he wouldn't sink. Anytime there's something that is supernatural, there is a natural human part. God said to Moses, you're going to have to split that sea. So what happened is Moses extended the rod. That's a natural thing. God opened the sea. That was supernatural. There's always a human portion and a divine portion. And the same thing is true when it comes to any supernatural thing, including speaking with tongues. There's a natural part, and there is a supernatural part. When when a person receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's there's normally certain things that just happen. There's a deeper compassion for the lost. There's a greater readiness to serve. There's a heightened hunger for spiritual things. There's a greater belief in the supernatural, and healing, deliverance, the authority of the believer, right? And there is power to become a witness. Before Peter received the baptism, he denies Jesus three times. After he receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he gets up and he says to the people, you're the ones who crucified Christ. Yeah, and you're the one who denied him. You know what? But suddenly there was a supernatural boldness that came upon him. Now, in Acts chapter 10, Peter goes to Cornelius' house. And as he is preaching, the Bible says the Holy Spirit fell upon all who listened to him. And those that were with him, the Jews, they were astonished because the Holy Spirit had fallen upon Gentiles, non-Jews. But they couldn't deny it, the Bible says, because they heard them speak with tongues and prophesy. Now, at that time, this occasion, it was Instantaneous salvation and the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit was instantaneous. Of the five instances in the New Testament, it's the only one that's instantaneous. Eighty percent of the time, it is subsequent to salvation. Now, sometimes what people do well, I received the Holy Spirit twenty-five years ago. Well, you need to receive the Holy Spirit again. You say why? Because you leak. You just simply, you leap. The Bible says in Ephesians 5 and verse 18, it says, but be being filled with the Spirit. Be being filled. Not something that happens just one time. I mean, almost every day. Yesterday, I said, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. This morning, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. It's not something that just happens one time. It's something that should be happening regularly in our lives. Now, again, getting back to the tongues portion, Some people are are a little bit afraid of it or don't understand it. Let me just say this. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5, Paul said, I wish that you all spoke with tongues. In fact, he said, I speak with tongues more than y'all. He's from Texas, (laughs) y'all. But he said, I speak with tongues more than you all. Somebody, Somebody said, well, what is happening? Well, in 1 Corinthians 14, the 14th verse says it this way. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, My spirit, by the Holy Spirit within me, prays. But my mind is unproductive or does not understand, is unfruitful, the King James says. So when you pray in a tongue, it's your spirit, by the Holy Spirit, that's praying. So certain things happen. There's no selfish prayers. And all the prayers that we pray, then, are the will of God. In 1 Corinthians Chapter 14 and verse two, it says he who speaks in an unknown tongue does not speak to men, but to God for no one or no man understands him. Howbeit, in the spirit? He speaks mysteries. Now, notice, first of all, it says when you're speaking in tongue, you're talking to God. How many know that's good? It is good to talk to God. We call that prayer. And notice it says who understands him? No one. Somebody said, well, I heard somebody speaking in tongues. I didn't get a thing out of it. It sounds like a bunch of gibberish. Well, quit eavesdropping. They're not talking to you. <laughs> They're talking to God. And he is the only one that understands. In fact, in Jude, which is the second to the last book in your Bible, it's a little one chapter, but in the 20th verse, it says, but you beloved building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost or in the Holy Spirit. It's talking about praying in tongues and it says you're going to edify yourself, build yourself up, edify yourself. We're in an edifice. I remember when this building was being built. It took about three years. About once a week, I would wander down from my office on the other end and I would just take a look as they were putting it up little by little by little. But when you pray in tongues, you are building yourself up spiritually every day. A little bit every day. A little bit every day. A little bit every day. Somebody says well, that sounds very selfish. It's just about you. Well, if you're broke and I'm broke, I can't help you. Spiritually, if you're in trouble but I'm built up, I can help you. You've got to build yourself up in your most holy faith. And Jesus said this in Luke the eleventh chapter. He said, "If verse thirteenth verse, if you then being evil, know how to give good gifts." To your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? At salvation, the Holy Spirit automatically comes in every believer. But we're to ask, ask for the promise of the father, the baptism in the Holy Spirit to be endued with power from on high. Now, I want to finish with my, my Pentecost story. So in uh, 1980, Jeannie and I are living in Mexico in a village and I get invited to go and preach in Tepiapulco, Hidalgo. This is about uh, 40 miles from the pyramids near Mexico City. Uh, it's the uh, city where Renault at that time had their factory in Mexico. So I drive over there on Pentecost Sunday morning. It's about 80 miles from where we live. I get there and meet with Pastor Samuel Noguera, and we talk for a little bit in his house, which is right next door to the church. And Then we go over to the church. Now, the service was already started. And I got to tell you about this church. Right? Merle, you, can, you wave at everybody. You be my witness. This church was painted purple. And on the top, all the way around, were white tongues of fire. This was like the, the max Pentecostal church. And some of the tradition that they had was all the men would sit on one side and all the women would sit on the other side. That way the men did not get distracted during service. Also, all of the women had to have on a head covering. And they had to wear dresses. They were not allowed to wear pants. Because in, the, in that culture at that time, and we're talking over 40 years ago, uh, it was pretty risque for a woman to wear pants. So the service has already started. He and I get up on the platform. There's some of the elders up on the platform. I'm watching the service. Again, all the women on my right, all the men on the left. And I notice the back doors swing open because the service has been going now for 20 minutes. A man walks in, and about 10, 12 feet behind this man, a woman walks in. Now, when she walked in, I immediately identified her as a sinner. You say, well, how did you know? Well, there were a couple of things. First of all, she didn't have on a head covering. Secondly, she wore pants. Now, you know any woman there wearing pants. It's a center woman. (laughs) And then she followed that guy and she sat on the men's side. She was the only woman in the whole place on the wrong side. She didn't know. Now, when she sat down, I don't think she was there for two minutes. And she just begins to absolutely bawl. I, I mean, she is just weeping, weeping. And, and, and it, it stood out. Well, after the service, I talked with her. And, and she told me, she said, I was, I'm a hairdresser. She said, I was on my way to work this morning. I was at the bus stop. I was waiting for the bus. He said, and, and something just came on me. And, and I just said, God, my family is such a blast. My life is such a mess. God, I need your help. I don't know what to do. God, help me. Help me, help me, God. Have mercy on me, God. She's praying. And she, she notices a man next to her has got a black book. And on the back of it, it says Santa Biblia, Holy Bible. And so she just says in her heart, she says, God, I don't know if this is you or not, but I'm just gonna go with him. Her bus came by, take her to work, she just let it go. Another bus came by, headed toward the church. He got on, she followed, sat right next to him on the bus. He goes like six, eight blocks. Pulls the cord. The bus stops. He gets off. She gets off. He walks about a block and a half. Goes left. Goes a half a block. Turns into the church. I saw him come in. She's right behind him. She follows him in and sits down. So they, they have me preach. Now, they're used to long services, so I don't know how long I preach. Someplace between an hour, hour and a half. Right? That's normal for there. Now, it's Pentecost Sunday. Now, I don't know that they have been fasting for three days. Everybody in the church has been fasting for that service. So when I, after I'm finished speaking, I invite people to come and receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now remember, this is a Pentecostal church. I'm not sure how many people are there, five to six hundred, I imagine. I mean, it's packed. I'm thinking we're going to get a dozen people. But when I invited them forward, it was like, I mean, the altar in front of the church is full. People are up the aisles. They're everywhere. And I went, whoa. But also, the woman came forward. Well, I know she's not saved. She's got pants on. <laughs> so he's like, what do you do? So I prayed a sinner's prayer. I invite everybody to receive Jesus into their heart. We prayed together. And then ask to receive the Holy Spirit. Well, then I went down over here on the the women's side, and there's like, I don't know, six, eight elders, and I send them all down on the other side. You say, why did you go to this side? Well, that's where the women are. And typically, women are more spiritual than men, and they receive easier than men. So I go down here, and I go to the first woman, and I say, I'm going to lay hands on you. And when I do, the Holy Spirit's going to come on. And if you feel something on the inside, you feel like some words, you just begin to speak those words out. And I I said, receive the Holy Spirit. I laid hands on her. When I did, her hands shot straight up in the air and she started speaking in tongues as loud as she could. Now, I'm just giving a report. I'm not recommending any of this. I'm just telling you what happened. Okay. When she started speaking in tongues as loud as she could, there's no kidding, Every other person in the church jumped to their feet, shot their hands up in the air, and started speaking as loud as they could in tongues. It sounded like Niagara Falls. I mean it. So I go to the next lady, and I literally, I said, I'm going to lay hands on you. And I give her the spiel. I pray for her. She's speaking. Tongues. I go to the next lady. I'm going to lay hands on you. I mean, literally in their ear. All right? I pray for the next one. I pray for the next one. I pray for the next one. I don't know eight, 10, 12 people I prayed for, I've been preaching for an hour. And now I'm shouting at people. I thought, I'm going to take a break. I know there's water in the podium. Remember that podium, Merle? This is the biggest podium you ever saw. Big wood platform, podium like that. I go up there and I get the water for the speaker and and I'm just kind of looking what's going on. You know, the elders are down there and a couple more people are now praying over here. I'm just kind of checking everything out. It looks good to me. When one of the elders comes up and he's crying and he says. I'm praying for people and they're receiving the Holy Spirit. And I said, good, go down and pray some more. And he said, he said, but I've been in this church for 30 years and I've never received the Holy Spirit. But the people I pray for are receiving the Holy Spirit. Now, that tells me, number one, he's not the baptizer in the Holy Ghost, right? John the Baptist said, Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. But I knew what his problem was. See, it says over in Galatians 3.14, to receive the promise of the Spirit by faith. But so many people try to receive the promise of the Spirit by good works. How many heard that saying, you know, I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't drink or run with those that do? You know, they, they, got the, they got the list. I don't do this, and I don't do this, and I don't do this. How many of you know that you didn't get saved because of how good you were. It was in spite of how bad you were. And the Holy Spirit, just like salvation, is a gift. The Bible calls it the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not that you earn the Holy Spirit by being not doing this and not doing that and doing this and doing that. But he'd been trying for 30 years to earn. So I said to him, I said, you're going to receive. I've got a word from God for you. Now, he thought like, God just spoke to him in an audible voice. But I did have a word from God. Luke chapter 10, Jesus said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I said, we're going to pray. You're going to ask for the Holy Spirit. And when I lay hands on you, I said, you're going to receive. And he's like, really? really? I said, yes. Okay. So I just let him in a little simple prayer. I was going to pray for him. I was going to lay hands on him. I was going to, but I didn't get to. He just begins to speak in tongues, just tears running down his his face. Because the Holy Spirit is not something we earn. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not earned. It's the gift. We receive by faith. And Jesus said, everyone that asks, receives. Well, I want to thank you for being with us today and i want to ask you a question i want you to look inside and tell me are you right with god you know some people we we've done so many things to be right with god but yet we don't have peace we don't know we're forgiven you know and the bible tells us to know that you have everlasting life we're not supposed to die and find out if we're right with god we're supposed to know and if you don't know if you say, I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm right with God or I know I'm not right with God, but I want to be. I, I want to tell you there's two things that God wants from you. First, really, he wants to give you something. He wants you to receive forgiveness. And secondly, he wants you to surrender your life to Jesus. And I want to pray a prayer with you right now to receive the forgiveness that God offers you and to surrender your life to Jesus. If you're not right with God right now, I want you to just close your eyes, make these words your own. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe that his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. Today, I receive your forgiveness and I surrender my life to Jesus. I hold nothing back. And I thank you, you've heard my prayer, that I am forgiven, that I'm a part of your family, today and forever, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer, and you are right with God. And I want to help you keep growing spiritually. So I wrote a book called Your New Life, full of bullet points to help you keep growing spiritually. And I want to give it to you as a gift, free of charge. All you need to do, get online and download that book. It's going to bless you and help you keep growing spiritually.
0: If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Duane, you are making one of the best decisions of your life, and we're so excited for you. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have it mailed to you. Download it right there instantly, or you can find it on our app. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. If you're looking for more information on the baptism in the Holy Spirit, Pastor Duane wrote a book on the subject. This is a great resource for you to learn how God wants to do more in your life. Check out the WVF store at walkingbyfaith.tv for your copy. Walking by Faith is reaching the world with the truth of God's word on and off the air. Right now, we have an awesome opportunity to double your impact. Due to the generosity of some of our partners, we have a matching gift of $300,000. To make it easy for you to become a partner, you can now text RESGIVE to 94000 and select Walking by Faith in the drop-down menu. You can also give on our website or on our app. Find us on Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and on your favorite social platform by searching WBF TV. Also, check out our app in your favorite app store. You can download past sermons, follow along with notes, speak confessions over your life, and so much more. I pray that you continue to be filled every day with the Holy Spirit. Be blessed, and we'll see you again next week.